have uh, committed to begin to do some teaching about divine healing. Every so often we do this in the church. This is nowhere close to the first time we've ever done this. Many years ago, a statement was made by Dr. P.C. Nelson, who was a great um, scholar of the word, great linguist, and of course a Pentecostal pioneer. And he made this statement to ministers in a meeting long ago. He said, always feed, and he meant spiritually feed, along the lines of faith and healing because, you know, in addition to whatever else you're studying, because there'll come a time when you or somebody that you love will need it. And if you haven't fed on these things and kept yourself strong is what he meant, then you'll be at a disadvantage. And we don't want to be at a disadvantage when a child is ill, when someone we love is ill, or when sickness is trying to attack us in some way. We don't want to be at a disadvantage. We want to be ready to quickly eradicate whatever it is. And quickly is a key word. The longer you put up with stuff from the devil, it seems to be the harder it is to get rid of it. And so you don't want to wait. You don't want to wait. You want to learn how to use your faith and quickly uh, act on the word. Amen. Now, we won't get done with the teaching tonight, and I don't know how many Wednesdays we'll do this. But we are going to lay hands on anybody in the service here tonight who desires to have hands laid on them. You know, Hebrews chapter 6 gives us a half dozen, six fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ. And of course it includes things like repentance from dead works, faith toward God, eternal judgment, some really important things. And right there in that list of six fundamental doctrines is the doctrine of laying on of hands. The doctrine of laying on of hands. I don't know where, uh, I I really don't know, uh, how can I say this? I don't want to say it in a wrong way. Help me, Lord. You might have to go a long ways to find a church where there's going to be much said about the laying on of hands. You might have to go a long ways to find a church where they're going to do extensive, in-depth teaching on the subject of divine healing. There are congregations that will tell you they believe in healing and that they believe God does heal. But I've been, you know, in church many, many years, so I know this is so. You can go to church in some places for a long, long time, and you'll never hear a complete message, an entire teaching on how to receive healing and how to stay healed and how to keep your healing once you've received from the Lord. And so it's important that we are in the right place at the right time. The words from the Lord that we received tonight were not planned. I had no idea when I was out there in, in the office before we came in and the service began, I, I did not know that that was going to come forth. There are certain things that just happen in the right circumstance, in the right atmosphere, when people yield to the Holy Spirit. And that's one of the reasons it's so important to be in church. So that when the Spirit of the Lord moves in a specific way, you can take advantage of it. I mean, just think about all the testimonies of people 
who were in a place where the Lord done something, where the Lord did something very special for them. And just think for a moment, what would have happened had they not been there? You know, many times people's answer is in the house of the Lord, but if you're not there to get it, you're going to miss it. Amen. So we want some answers about divine healing. For the last three years, we've been flooded with information about the pandemic, haven't we? Some of that information was true, and we know that some of it certainly wasn't true. Many people in our world have been overwhelmed and fatigued with the fear that came along with that, which obviously shows you where it actually came from. God doesn't give anybody a spirit of fear. But they have become overwhelmed and fatigued with the fear and the suffering and also uh, fatigued with the extreme actions, or we might say reactions, of society to all this. The situation has been politicized and in some uh, ways monetized. A number of people in political leadership have acted unwisely and dictatorially. And now, of course, it's coming to light that many of those mandates and uh, rules and so forth were at best rather ineffective and at worst they were just sometimes outright harmful, wrong. You see, the world we live in, the culture we're in today, as it would have been true 100 years ago or 500 years ago or 1,000 years ago, they do not know how to deal with this kind of a problem. They never have. Even though plagues and pandemics and natural disasters have been happening since the fall of man, since the devil was given authority by Adam in the garden and man spiritually died and fell from his righteous place of relationship with God, Satan has been taking advantage of a world that has for the most part forgotten God and the principles of his word. I just think about this in the last three years. How many times have you heard anybody in high office on any level call our country to repent of our sins as a nation? I'm not saying you particularly have committed all those sins, but I'm just saying where was that call? Where was the call to prayer and fasting? I'm not talking about preachers. I'm talking about those in authority and government and so forth. Where was the call to turn from sin? Ungodliness. Uncleanness. Demonic activity. To turn from that to the living God. It's been almost non-existent. Fear, ungodliness, and greed describe the current cultural and political situation that we're living in. And what's really, really sad is the church in many places has for the most part reacted exactly like the rest of the world. Christians did the same things their neighbors did. They had the same fears their neighbors had and reacted in the same way. Rather than looking to God for answers and help, many people have looked to the government 
for their deliverance and direction. It's amazing how somehow we morphed into a society of people that think government is responsible to fix everything. But it's clear they can't. And of course, this, this kind of a thought process just doesn't work. So today, I want to talk to you about the biblical answer. And that answer is divine healing. And I know that it's rarely heard about in a, in a positive light in today's world. Rarely heard about in people taking it seriously. Many times it's the butt of jokes. It's, it's uh, met with derision and scorn. But if you're a Bible student and you're honest about the Word of God, you know that divine healing occupied a major part of the ministry of Jesus. Matthew 9, 35 gives us a very succinct description of Jesus' ministry. And it says that he went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. That was the threefold ministry of Jesus, teaching, preaching, and healing. I think a lot of people today, and even some church people, have the mindset that we don't really need that today. We don't need the supernatural healing ministry of Jesus through the church today because, after all, we have modern medical knowledge. We have modern medical procedures. We have pills and potions, medications and therapies. And I'm not saying that those things in their place aren't valuable and good when they're properly used. But I would submit to you that as far as what people would have thought even a generation or two ago that, that all this would produce, it hasn't happened like we thought it would. In many cases, it really isn't working close to what we would want it to. Our population today lives longer than they used to, but they're sicker than they used to be. They're not more healthy. We have millions of people now warehoused, just waiting to die. Nobody can help. Nobody can do anything for, it seems. What is the cost of all this? I mean, you know, if you live 10 more years, but you don't know you're here, if you live five more years, but it's agonizing, excruciating pain. You know, what, what cost is this? And there's just a constant talk. One of the reasons I really care very little about, uh, how can I say this? I don't have much desire to watch average television. I like to pick and choose. If I'm going to watch something for entertainment, I like to choose what it is and skip through the commercials because one of the reasons is because it is a constant barrage of talk about sickness, medications, treatments, and therapies constantly. Talk to your doctor about, and some of this stuff, I, if I talked to my doctor, he'd have to tell me what we're talking about because I don't even know. They just throw out this trade name and it's like everybody's supposed to know it and I guess a lot of people do but if you don't follow this stuff religiously you don't know what all this is about and I think that's a good thing 
The constant talk of sickness, medications, treatments, and therapies has produced a generation of scared, addicted, and weary people bound by unbelief and fear, particularly the fear of death. Many, many people have little hope that they'll ever really be better. They've just resigned themselves to whatever misery they find themselves in. And, of course, their hope is limited to what man can do. And many people, even Christians, it's sad to say, they have more confidence in pharmaceuticals and medical therapies than they do the power of God. Now, I want to tell you, I'm certainly not against doctors, nurses, hospitals, pills and potions, if it's appropriate. So it's not that, that we're anti those things. But what we've been experiencing, especially over the last few years, is an abnormal obsession and reliance on men and on government policies and what we think they should be able to do. People have made men their God. And of course, disappointment is inevitable when man becomes your God. When all your hope is tied up in what people can do. The latest therapies, the latest research or whatever. And I'm not against therapies and research. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying, if you leave God out of the equation, you will never find what you're looking for. It'll never be there. But that's where many people are today. And it's sad to say that's where many people in the world are. But that's where many people even in the church are. Like I said, you'd be hard-pressed to find a lot of churches within a 50, 60-mile radius of this place where they're going to take much time to teach on divine healing and how to receive it and how to keep it. I don't say that to be unkind, and I don't say that to try to... act like that we have some corner on this kind of revelation. It's just the fact that people really only teach and only sing about and they only practice what they truly believe. And we know that faith begins where the will of God is known. And we find out the will of God when we hear what his word says. But the principle of what you hear determining what you believe is a general principle across the board. And so it stands to reason that if you spend more time watching the news and listening to the sad reports of the current culture we're living in, there's where your faith's going to be. And that's not a happy picture. That's, that's not a hopeful thing. So we've got to get ourselves by the ears, it were, and get back into the book. It's time to open God's Word And let him speak to us about the care and the management of our physical bodies. After all, if you believe the Bible, then you believe he created the body you're living in. If you believe the Bible, you believe that he knows everything about you. He knows what your blood pressure is right now. He knows what your blood sugar level is right now. He knows the condition of your arteries right now. He knows everything. And, again, if we believe the Bible, he's made provision for a supernatural aspect to all of this. We are spiritual, first and foremost, before anything else. 
we're not physical first. We're spiritual first. We have a soul. We just happen to live in a body. And you know, your body is just your house. Most of us in here are not living in the house we grew up in. Most everybody in here is probably living in a house that is different from the one you grew up in. In other words, you changed houses. And some of us have changed houses a lot. You don't, you don't look at the house as you. You look at it as what you happen to be living in. And that's the way you need to view your body. It's not first and foremost. It's not the be-all, end-all. We're not supposed to live constantly focused on even how we feel. Constantly focused with a fear of death. A fear of growing decrepit and whatever. We're not supposed to live that way. That's never been God's intention. We're spirit beings called with a purpose and an assignment from the Lord. And when you get so carried away with God and His purpose on your life, you won't really have so much time to be worried about all those other things. And if you learn to use your faith and you learn to stand on the Word of God, your health will spring forth speedily, as the Word says. What's really the answer here? Well, the answer is a who. It's Jesus. Because as we said, He is the healer. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Another familiar scripture along the same lines is Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Then I call your attention to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 8 that says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now I know the, quote, super intelligent folks in the Christian world, they do not like preachers to do that. They don't like for you to take uh, Matthew 9.35, uh, Acts 10.38, and tie it to Hebrews 13.8 because it just makes it too simple for them. And of course, if you believe that God doesn't always want to heal the sick and God doesn't always do what His Word says He does, then you've got to find some convoluted theory to, f to explain to people why they don't receive or why you don't believe in it anymore. But I want to tell you tonight that I'm not the smartest guy in the world, not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I do have enough sense to believe that God could speak and say what He meant and mean what He says. If Jesus did teach, preach, and heal... If he did heal those who were oppressed of the devil, and by the way, that's how he viewed them as uh, whatever their sickness was, it was a demonic oppression. Doesn't mean they were demon-possessed or even necessarily had a spirit, but the root of the whole thing always goes back to the fall. It always goes back to the devil. If that's the way Jesus felt then and that's the way he operated then, then according to Hebrews 13, 8, that's the way he does it now. Of course, since he's not here in a physical body... Yet he is here in a physical body, not the very person of Jesus who's seated at the right hand of the Father, but in the body of Christ, the church, you and me. He's here.
So that's why he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. And one of those signs was, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's why we see uh, scriptures like John 14, 12, where Jesus said, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. This is why we see the continuation in the book of Acts of the teaching, preaching, healing ministry of Jesus. None of those early church believers that started out in the upper room, none of them ever gave a hint that they thought, we better hurry up and get grandma in here and get her healed because this is going to stop real soon. And another, just something to think about, we, even in the ministry of Jesus, we know that not every single person was healed just instantaneously, like we would say the snap of a finger. But when they received by faith and they obeyed the Lord Jesus and cooperated with the anointing, they did receive. There's no account of anybody in the book of Acts saying, I'm waiting on the manifestation. You know, Jesus laid hands on me three years ago. And I believe that it's going to kick in here soon. You know, you don't find that, do you? And I'm not trying to upset anybody. I'm trying to provoke us, if necessary, including myself, to believe God in the now. Not to put everything off till later. Well, someday it's going to happen. Someday I'll feel better. Someday this is going to leave me. Someday I'm going to be free. What about today instead of someday? There are 19 individual healings in the four Gospels. Now, it seems like there's more because some of them are recorded more than once in the course of the four Gospels. But there, there are 19 individual healings. And if you study it carefully you'll see that not every person received through the same method. Not every person received the same way. Same Jesus, same covenant, same uh, redemption that would come to pay for all of it at the death of Jesus and his resurrection. But it didn't all happen the same. And so what we need to understand today is that there is a pathway for your healing if you need healing. There's a pathway. I, I, I don't know unless God tells me and I have a supernatural revelation, I couldn't tell you specifically the pathway for you. I can teach and preach about the various ways God heals, but you're going to have to listen to God and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. But there is a general... Um, equation that I can give you that applies in every circumstance in every situation it applies to you and that is the miracle equation or the healing equation however you want to say it and it's simply this faith Bible faith which comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God by the word of God faith plus power equals miracles that's one of the reasons that we, like Jesus did, lay hands on the sick. That's one of the reasons we do it. It's one of the reasons there is a doctrine in the church of the laying on of hands. We pointed that out in the beginning, Hebrews 6. is because 
It's one of the ways that power is administered. There are other reasons that we lay hands on people, such as, for instance, to ordain people into the ministry, uh, to set them apart to, to ministry service. For instance, that's one of the things we would do. But one of the major reasons that people would lay hands on folks in obedience to Jesus' command is to impart the power of God into their life, the anointing, which is the manifested presence of God. And so we as spiritual beings will respond to that anointing that flows into us and from our spirit nature there will flow out into our bodies the power of God to heal. And that's why we also use this phrase sometime if you've wondered about why we say this from time to time. But we use the phrase keep the switch of faith turned on. Especially when you have uh, submitted yourself to this ministry, for instance, of laying on of hands, and, and you've come in faith to receive somebody who in faith will lay hands on you, and especially if they lay hands on you under the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's in their life for ministry, then that power is administered to you Different people will respond in different ways and sometimes the anointing will be stronger than at other times. But the physical response is not the most important thing. In other words, whether people fall or shake and quake or whatever they may do. And all that's all right, but, but that's not the big issue. The big issue is, did you receive and if you did receive, then what you want to do is keep the switch of faith turned on. How do you do that? Well, one of the things you do is you make your confessions from that point onward. I believe I received. And I believe it's mine now. I'm no longer trying to get it. I've received it. Now, you might say, well, what if I've done that? Maybe more than once even. And I've, I, uh, I have done my best to make my faith connection through prayer, laying on of hands, anointing with oil, however, whatever. And uh, I, uh, I'm doing my best to keep the switch of faith turned on. And so I know that that's what I need to do. And I'm praising God and I'm confessing the word and I'm believing God and I'm doing my best to act on the word, stretching myself, even in the physical realm, to do things that healed people do, maybe something you couldn't do before or did with difficulty before. All that's part of it. But the question, and it's a legit, legitimate question, is what about when it's again time in a church service and the pastor, somebody, a special minister, whoever it is, they're laying hands on people. Do I do that again? And my word to you is, my uh, for whatever it's worth, my bit of wisdom on this is that if I have not received the manifestation I desire and I want, a, I want an impartation of the power of God to keep me going in that direction, then I would, I would have hands laid on me again. If I can do it, not in unbelief. In other words, you're not coming up here because you've forgotten about everything in the past and you're kind of starting over. 
You know, you can't keep starting over and over and over or you're always just starting. But if you're coming because you just want to touch the anointing, you want to open yourself up if God might have a word for you. If God might want to give you a word of encouragement or instruction or even correction if necessary, then you would come. It's not that you don't believe you haven't received anything. It's just you want to touch the power of God because the more power available to you, then the quicker the miracle will manifest. Because remember that equation, faith plus power equals miracles. So if you come in unbelief, it's not going to do you any good. But if you come in faith and you're believing God, that you're you're receiving the power of God. So if it's the first time, then you're believing you receive right then. If it's the second time or on beyond that, you're just receiving the power of God in confirmation of what you have already believed you have received. Can you say amen? amen? Now, I want to give you a word of caution. That doesn't mean that you just go from meeting to meeting and place to place just looking for people to lay hands on you. You need to be very particular about who you allow to lay hands on you. You need to be very, very uh, particular about submitting yourself to this ministry. But on the other hand, if there is confidence that this is an anointed servant of God and there is an anointing to be received, then... It's a blessing to receive the anointing and the power of God. You know, uh, part of the ministry of the laying on of hands, in addition to the area of impartation of the anointing for healing, and in addition to the laying on of hands for ordination and sanctification to, to a ministry office or position, there's also the aspect of laying hands on people to simply bless them. And really, that's kind of what I'm talking about. You've already turn the switch of faith on. So you're not turning it off, but you want the blessing. You want the anointing. And in the anointing and in the blessing is healing too. Praise the Lord. And so you can read in the, even in the Old Testament how that the patriarchs of old would lay hands on their sons and their grandsons to impart blessing. That wasn't a healing situation necessarily. That was a blessing situation. And uh, you can see in the lives of, for instance, Abraham's descendants, it worked. And so tonight, the anointing is here, and the anointing will work. If you want to receive that, if you need that, if you desire that, if you desire just to be blessed, then you, you can come. And so our musicians are going to come. Nick's going to uh, lead us in, or in, in that song again. Healing is here. Because it is. It is. And if you need healing or if you want a blessing from God through the laying on of hands, if you want a touch by the power of God in your life, then I want to ask you to come right now and we'll lay hands on you. We'll do that right now. Right now. Praise the Lord. I know this is not a service where it's filled with all kinds, you know, a huge crowd of people and there's not a, a, a big amount of fanfare and so on. But the Lord is here. 
the anointing of God is here. And Lord, we're grateful for your presence. We're grateful for the anointing. Hallelujah. We just had a testimony. Glenna just received a testimony yesterday, wasn't it, Glenna? I won't steal all the thunder, so, uh, but it's somebody that uh, uh, was asked by the doctor to be tested. And the person said, well, I've been a type 1 diabetic since 1975. Why would I need to be tested? The doctor said, I'd just like for you to do that. And so the results of the test came. And their body is producing insulin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's somebody in the church here. Like I said, you'll hear more about it. So you see, there's a benefit. There is a benefit just to sitting under the Word of God. There's an answer in the house of the Lord. So Father, I ask you that as we lay hands on the people, those who are sick will be healed those who are oppressed in any way that they will go free because we know that there are times when sickness and disease is the result of a spirit of oppression we also know Lord that a spirit of fear can open the door for physical sickness and disease So there's a spiritual aspect. Sometimes it's only a physical malfunction. Sometimes there are things that that the body will do that's genetically involved. But we've been refathered. Amen. We have a spiritual heritage that is not sick, not weak, and not bound. And so, Lord, I'm going to lay my hands on your precious people tonight. In the name of Jesus, the name above every name. They know and I know I am not a healer and I'm not the one that can heal them. But they know that there is this way to receive the power of God into their lives. You ordained it. I didn't. I don't know all the reasons of why even. And I don't mean that disrespectfully, Father, but I don't know all the whys of all of these things. We just choose to obey. So we join our faith with each and every person that as we lay hands upon them in the name of Jesus, that they will recover from whatever sickness, disease, weakness, or infirmities that may be in their life. And we also believe, Lord, that any kind of spiritual harassment or or, uh, any kind of spiritual involvement that is holding them in bondage, sickness, disease of any kind, fear, that those spirits have to go. In Jesus' name, 